You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on, Berto here? And we're back with another episode, Berto. What do you got for us today? Well, today uh, it's a unique episode. I think uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive uh, and kind of just bring everybody up to speed on maybe my story a little bit more. Um, I I don't think on this podcast I ever really got into like my upbringing and and all that. You know, I've just been doing a lot of like, you know, just kind of like reading a little bit here and there on on different things and, and trying to understand, you know, behavior and and um, the reason why people have the propensity to do certain things. And, you know, obviously for like myself, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trauma in my childhood. And so I feel like that obviously has a, a, a big effect on how you end up, you know? And, and so I thought I'd kind of, you know, bring the viewers in on that, you know, and, 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 uh, and see where we go from there. How does that sound? That's good. I, I want to kick it off with a question right away. How much do you think of of you slipping into this lifestyle has to do with like childhood trauma and how much of it do you think just has to do with the fact of where you were were born raised you know mm. being in from that area where this was all around you which one was the predominant force in this <clears throat> so that's a good question bro and i think i think the uh i think the reality is that they kind of run hand in hand and I say that because I know people who grew up in the same environment that I did and didn't end up doing the same things that I did. I know people who grew up with similar trauma that I had and didn't end up doing the same things I did and then flip that around. And I know people who grew up with trauma and they ended up in the life I had and they just grew up in our neighborhood and they end up in the life I had. So you see what I'm saying? So it varies. I think for myself, bro, I think, I think everything contributed, you know, um, if, mm-hmm. If, if I had to look at it, you, you can't really put it in a nutshell and say, oh, it's just because you grew up here, you know, or, you know, maybe you were raised in this kind of household. I don't think I don't think that's the case. I think all those things, the stars kind of align and, and it just kind of puts you on that path. You know, for me personally, I grew up in a house that was dysfunctional, you know, um, and I think, you know, first of all, like, let's just throw this out there, because obviously not all of our viewers are from. Wisconsin. Um, but, you know, obviously I grew up in Milwaukee, you know, on the South side, my childhood was in the nineties. Obviously my reign of terror was in the two thousands. <clears throat> Milwaukee is, is known for what, for, for drunk beer. people, I mean, beer, <laughs> beer. Um, to, you know, to some extent, Jeffrey Dahmer, right. I mean, yeah, that, that kind of got some notoriety. Um, but you know, so I think, I think the writing on the wall for me, when I was a kid was, it was kind of evident what I was going to be if, if I look back now. And that's because, you know, I had an older cousin who was a Latin King and I had an older brother who was a Latin King. And then I had an uncle who was an, who was an outlaw. And I also had a family full of alcoholics. And so I felt if I look back, I think my destiny was to be a drunk alcoholic, I mean, a drunk outlaw or a drunk Latin King. I felt like that was, that was probably what I was going to be, you know, like some version of that, you know, if we're being honest here, like, obviously you can't be an outlaw as a teenager. So that, that's what pushed me, you know, towards my path. I think, you know, growing up, man, I feel like, yeah, I grew up in dysfunction, bro. And, and, and I, there was domestic violence in, in my house, you know, um, I grew up with a father who, you know, unfortunately he was, he was, uh, you know, he was addicted to alcohol, bro. And, um, you know, I love my dad, man. Like it's even hard for me to talk negatively about my dad. And it's crazy because, you know, a lot of people would, would, would beg to differ with that, you know, because, um, my father had a lot of demons that he fought himself. You know, he, he probably made a lot of decisions that he regrets in his life and treated a lot of people, maybe not so greatly. Um, excuse me. And, but, his heart was, was pure, man. And I, I just knew my dad loved me and he loved him, you know? And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I grew up in one of them situations where, you know, we were poor, man, but we never really understood that, 
you know, my dad had a, had a unique way of teaching us how to value little things and not take the things for granted that we did have. And so I don't know, man, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, it's hard for me to beat, beat up on that and be like, man, you know what, if, if my dad wasn't a violent, you know, maybe I wouldn't have grew up violent. I don't know. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can say that it contributed, you know, because I seen that growing up, you know, I seen the violence I seen, you know, obviously I seen the alcoholism and, and so all those things put together, they're not good. You know, um, my mom was a, <clears throat> my mom was a, was, um, somebody who taught me love, you know, she was really like kind, you know, that was, that was like her contribution to my life, which is teaching me, you know, how to love and how to appreciate people. And, and, and my dad was more of a, was more of a a moral teacher, you know, morally. And so all these things, man, as I grew up, I think that I started to try to um, align them with my life. And, you know, unfortunately, man, somebody of strong morals and somebody who loves really hard, you know, they can fit really well into a gang. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think me and my brother, we were kind of, we were kind of pushed that way. You know, um, I read that, I read that about 75% of youth, right. Who, you know, reported seeing violence in their home, either as <clears throat> a witness or a victim, you know, they're, they were like, I want to say like 80 to 90 cent, 80 to 90% more likely to, to be prone to violent behavior. You know, it was, it was a strong uh, predictor. And so I think that, you know, with, with, with myself and people who have the propensity for violence because you see it and it's normal to you, I think those people end up in these kind of not even necessarily gangs, bro, but just in that street kind of environment, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else that encompasses that, whether it be drug dealing or, or carrying guns or doing drugs and all that shit, you know, all that kind of comes along with it. And so if you really look at statistics, bro, and you really start to understand, yeah, I think a clear indicator is seeing violence, you know, seeing violence or being a victim of it. It definitely has an effect on you, bro. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a kid, man, <clears throat> I had one, I have, uh, you know, I have a, a few memories that stuck with me, bro. Like I, you know, obviously sometimes it's hard for me to, 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 to really convey because, you know, you don't want to be viewed as somebody, you don't want somebody in your family to be viewed as an animal or somebody that was, was, you know, just a, a piece of shit, mm-hmm. but abuse is abuse, you know? And when you see abuse, it has an effect on you. And I seen abuse as a kid, man. I can remember those nights, bro. You know, what they, what they felt like, how I felt. And I'm talking about like domestic violence. You know, I, I know what it's like to have, I, I see my dad, you know, get taken down by cops and, you know, this is a different era. This is, this, this is before, um, cops were shooting people. Um, they, they, they were maced them, you know what I'm saying? But they used to just beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like you would walk away from it. You know, now if you put up a fight, you know, you might not make it through. But but I remember seeing like my father, you know, uh, fighting cops and and and, um, you know, just just in and out of jail for petty shit, you know. um, And this is another thing, like in my era, and I'm sure a lot of people can agree with this. You know, a lot of moms, they didn't they didn't they weren't pressing charges on fathers, you know, when Mm -hmm. when, um, you know, when there was violence in the home. And, And I'm not saying that's the right way to go. I'm just saying that it was a different kind of generation. And so a lot of things that happened back then, bro, that could never happen these days. But I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know if, if, um, I don't know if that generation maybe stopped this generation from having to deal with that. Right. Cause you think about that, like, um, obviously I seen what I seen growing up and I could never put my hands on a woman or, or, you know, anything like that. And, and, um, so maybe, maybe there was some turnover. Right. Maybe there was some turnover as, as time went on. Uh, but anyways, getting back to, you know, my, my I, I try to think about like, you know, the stories I remember from when I was a kid about my dad, man, you know, <laughs> my dad was a funny guy, bro. He, uh, you know, he drank a lot, bro. And I don't remember one car we had as a kid that he didn't crash. Right. <laughs> and, it, you know, 
They say you drive 200 times before you get your first drunk driving. That's what they say, right? Well, my dad probably had a thousand um, because there's no way. Bro, one time, you know, I feel bad thinking back, right? <laughs> but my mom, my mom's father passed away, right? And the mm -hmm. one, you know, I come from, I come from the dirt, bro. Like my, I don't have, neither side of my family has money, like none, none of that shit, right? So uh, the one relic, I guess, that he had that he passed along um, and, and my mom ended up hearing it was this car, right? It's like this big, it was an old time box Chevy. I can still picture it. You know, it wasn't nothing great. Right. <laughs> and so, so I'm saying probably within the first two weeks of having it, my dad comes driving home wasted. Right. And the passenger door is pushed all the way into the driver's side. Right. <laughs> And he pulls up to the house and my mom's just crying. You know, she's like, that was my dad's only thing, only thing he left. And my, you know, my dad gets out like they blindsided me. They T-boned me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know what the hell happened. And, uh, you know, he probably should have stayed at the scene of the accident, but he didn't. Obviously, he drove home. And, uh, you know, so it was shit like that, man. You know, like I, I seen shit like that growing up. Um, you know, one other time, another car story, right? My dad... He's drive. He he was driving drunk, right? And he literally hits a tree, right? And he he like almost splits the car in half, you know. And then he takes off running, you know, because the cops are obviously they're they're coming. And he takes off running. They find him like underneath a porch, right? My dad's wasted, man. He you know he's probably blood alcohol through the roof, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, and and so they take him to the hospital first, and he's lit up, like you know my dad's got glass all in his face still you know he's you know got the steering wheel mark on his chest and like he's just wow. he's 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 bad you know um and my dad wasn't a small guy um and so anyways he calls us and he's like hey you know he's telling my mom they're gonna take me to jail he's like uh he had a friend named danny he's like grab danny and come up here right and so you know, we play along, right? And and these things, it's crazy. I think about it now. Like these are probably some things that kids shouldn't be involved in, right? But yeah. my mom took me and Tim right away. You know what I'm saying? And so we go. We pick this guy Danny up. We go to the hospital. Now my dad, the guy Danny, he was like one of my dad's good friends, right? And so we pull up. I think he was with Danny before he got into the accident, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I'm saying? And so we put we get into the hospital, right? And we get in there, and my dad's like hooked up the IVs. I mean, you could tell he's still wasted. You know, he's got, he looks bad. Like I, I remember like, you know, almost like tearing up, seeing him like, this is my dad. You know, I didn't know if he was going to make it, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm a kid. And he, he, as soon as he sees us, he kind of like spruces up. Right. He's like, I gotta get, the, he's like, I gotta get the hell out of here, man. He's like, they're waiting for me in, out there. And so Danny's like, come on. He takes his coat off. Right. He's got like a car. I never forget. It's like a blue jean jacket. It's funny shit. And, um, my dad like rips his IV out. There's blood squirting everywhere. You know <laughs> oh what I'm saying? God. And he throws the jacket on. And and literally we stumble out of the room and and we take off with my dad. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't go to jail because we snuck him out of the hospital. You know, so that's the kind of shit that I see. You know, like little shit like that. I'm sure people don't, you know, it's not a big deal, but you know, that's the kind of that was that was my kind of uh, you know, being being an assistant to to small things like that, small crimes. Right. And how old is are you when this is happening? Now I was probably like seven. Yeah, so you know. that is like a terrible thing, you know, like a terrible example to set for your children <laughs> as they're growing up because, yeah. you know, that is going to warp your perception of what right and wrong is because, I mean, in all ways, that was completely wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you, I so, mean, listen, man, and, you know, you don't see it at, as that at the time. You know, you just, you're like, you're just going with it. And I'll give you another example that you don't see, right? So... Um, I'll give you another example, a good one, right? So my dad, like I said, man, he was known, he was a known bar hopper. He got kicked out of more bars than he was invited into, you know, but, but that was because he fought a lot. And I remember, um, you see, it sucks because you don't, you, you don't know the South side that well, but 13th street, like down by Cleveland, you know, that, that area, Cleveland. And, and then, and then before Cleveland, like, I guess going, um, I guess it would be like East whatever, going towards Lincoln. There was so many bars on that strip, bro. And my dad used to like literally like bar hop from bar to bar. You know, there'd be, there was bars like literally right across the street from each other. Like I remember there was one called Terry's Temptation. Right across the street is Clancy's. Right down the block is Secrets. And then right across the street is Dreamweavers. There's like four bars on one block. My dad <laughs> would go to all of them, right? He got kicked out of Clancy's. He wasn't allowed there no more, right? So, so, 
So anyways, but this, this is the kind of, this is the kind of dad I had. Right. And I loved him for it. He would take me to the bar. I'm not going to lie. You know, mm -hmm. young kid, you know, I would go to the bar, I would sit on the bar. So I get soda, you know, and just sit there. But here was the, here was the hustle. I don't know how God gifted me with this gift. And I, I probably, I probably couldn't do it right now, but I used to be able to do one hand pushups when I was a kid. I was, I don't know why it was something that I developed. I don't know what the hell. I don't even know why I practiced it, but I used to be able to do one hand push up. And so we'd be in the bar and my dad, you know, I'm, I'm just a little shit sitting on a bar stool. And my dad would start, he would start like, uh, my dad was a con man, bro. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. My dad was a con, he was a hustler, you know, he was a hustler, but, but you know, it's a thin line between a hustler and a con man. Right. And so when I say con man is like, my dad would, he'd play pool, you know, all drunk can't make a ball. And then as soon as he gets somebody to bet, he'd be seeing sharp as a razor, you know? And then all of a sudden we had our, we had our rent money, you know? So, so my dad was that kind of guy. So anyway, so he'd be like, he'd be like, you know, bantering back and forth people at the bar. I bet you my son will do 10 pushups, right. Or something like that. And yeah, right. Yeah, you know, they looking to see me. And then before you know it, it'd be like a whole thing, man. And I'd be in there doing one hand pushups all night for money. Like it was like <laughs> shit like that, man. You know what I'm saying? And I get a cut, you know, it was really my dad's shit, but I get a cut, you know what I'm saying? You know, and then eventually, you know, like all these, it's, it's stupid, right? Sounds crazy. Imagine, you know, eight, nine year old, seven year old, um, all these bartenders started to know me, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm in the bar with my dad all the time. You know, um, so what they did is they offered me a job, right? I got a job at like eight years old, bro. I was crushing cans and I would have to go down to the basement and just beer cans, just crush cans all day, you know, mm -hmm. and I would get paid for that shit. So that's the kind of pops I had, you know what I mean? Um, he was, he was, uh, he was proactive in, in, um, <laughs> you know, just showing us how to hustle and just, you know, kind of things like that as we got older, you know. If I'm being honest, I never really had a great example of somebody in my life who got up and went to work every day. You know, mm -hmm. I never had that. You know, I never had for a small portion of my life. I had that. And um, that's when things were like, you know, the gravy train was was there. Uh, my mom and my dad had a job. I think my mom had two jobs. She like ran a daycare and she was a crossing guard. And that was when like, man, we felt like we were rich. I think we had a car and shit, mostly because we didn't get evicted. You know, we lived in the same house for, for, I think a year, a little over almost two years. Right. And that was super rare for me, bro, because I literally got evicted from every house I ever lived in as a kid. I think maybe I moved once by choice. Maybe, maybe we moved once by choice, but the majority of the time we get evicted, bro. And, and then, um, that shit's embarrassing, bro. I'm sure people listening, they know what's going on. They probably wouldn't even want to talk about this shit, but there's this thing called Eagle moving, right? And Eagle moving is basically the people that come to take your shit out of the house because you've been evicted. You know what I'm saying? And so they do one of two things. Either they take your shit and they put it in the truck or they take it and put it on the curb. Right. And that's the embarrassing shit. Right. Cause you're out there on the curb with all your shit and you're waiting for somebody to come get it. You know? So like us, we would, it's crazy because I remember so many times in my life where we would just start over, bro. Literally just start over. Like we'd be evicted. All our stuff would be in one house and then we couldn't go back there for some reason. And then we, you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to start over at some new house. I don't know how many people live that kind of childhood, but that was definitely me. I lived all over the South side going through random shit. You know, my life, man, I think about it. <clears throat> it had a lot of, it was a roller coaster, bro. And, and I'm sure a lot of people can, can relate to that. You know, we had some, we had a semi strong family as far as, you know, we were tight knit. And so, you know, I had like, I got cousins that are really close to me and, and obviously we grew up together and, and, you know, we did all the basic shit that Milwaukee had to offer. You know, we would be in the Creek, you know, be in the Creek behind Pulaski. Oh man. It's disgusting to think about now, but <laughs> we just used to be back there, bro. You know, just, just kicking it for no reason. We did all, I, I think about it, the sledding down Pulaski you know, and, and all that shit. And, and it's just, it's normal things, right? It's just a normal upbringing, but it's those little things that happen in your life that, that stay with you in your head, you know, mm -hmm. um, the little, like the little, like, like we talked about, like the little bit of violence here, the little bit of violence there. And then the normalization of violence, you know, at some point you there's, there's like a threshold, right? Where violence is like, it's scary. Right. As a kid, violence is scary. You hear people yelling, you hear people screaming and then fighting and then blood. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a progression. And as a kid, 
I can remember being scared, scared, scared. And then you get to a point all of a sudden where it's kind of just normal, you know, mm-hmm. and you're used to seeing it. And, and then you almost kind of embrace it. When, um, when I was little too, I remember I had, I had this bike, right? I went to the store and I came out and it was gone. Right. I was gone. I was like, damn, man, somebody stole my bike, man. This is, these are, these are, these are South side problems, Eric. I don't know if you ever had this in your life. Right? <laughs> no, but, we never, we don't but, have those but, problems. But you gotta be, you gotta be on point. You can't just leave your, you know, I remember it was on 21st and Grant. You just can't just leave your bike. But to be fair, this bike was a piece of shit. You know, it wasn't like I had a GT dyno or nothing. It's some shit I put together. Right. And so, um, I came out and I was sick, man. I remember walking home, man. I was crying, man. I was so salty, man. And I might've been like eight, eight or nine and shit. And yeah, probably eight, probably eight. Cause I remember my brother Ronnie was still out. And um, I remember I told Ronnie, I was like, man, somebody stole my bike, right? And he's pissed. He's like, what? You know, my brother Ronnie, he was a, he was the one who was the king, right? And so he's like, all right, all right. He's like, we'll find it, we'll find it, we'll find it. Don't, you know, don't worry about it. This might've been like two days later. There was, there was these dudes on the block, right? And they're, they're infamous Southside dudes. Um, their names are Leo and Bukas, right? They're brothers. And they grew up on 20th Street by us. And they, they were like, they were GDs, right? And, but, you know, they were Southside vets. Like, you guys knew them. Mm-hmm. And so the dude Bukas was the one who took it. He was an older brother. And, and I seen him, right? He lived like three houses down from me. I seen him on my bike, right? Now, this dude's like, you know, I'm probably like eight. This dude, he's probably like 15, you know? <laughs> So I wasn't going to run up on this dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and, uh, and so what I do, I went and told my brother. You know, I went and told Ronnie. And he's like, what? So, so he comes out, right? And he goes, all right, I'm going to get your bike back. He goes, what do you want me to do? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you want me to punch him? And I was like, hell yeah, punch him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so now, so now you go from like, you know, you, be, you go from like being scared of violence. And now you're kind of like, you're okay with violence. And now you're enticing violence. You know, and, and sure enough, he walked up to him, punched him right in his nose. His nose was bleeding. And, and I got my bike back. <clears throat> you know, and that wasn't the first time my brother came in and helped us, you know, violently. You know, it happened some some similar at school. There was a kid picking on me and Tim all the time after school. You know, this is when we were young, young, you know. Uh, for anybody that knows Forest Home, right? So Forest Home, the little kids are on the front playground. And then when you, when you're older, I think it's like second grade, you go to the back playground. And so this is before I was even on the, on the back playground, you know, I was on the front playground mm-hmm. and I remember my brother came to school and, and, and punched that dude, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you start seeing these shit as, as when you're young, you know, you know, it just adds up, adds up, adds up. Same with drugs right now. Drugs are a little bit different in the sense that I guess it's, it's, it's really what, what you make of it in my mind, because I never, I never really got into, I never used drugs. I, I, we talked about this before. Um, uh, probably a good advantage that, that, um, being a King, I guess, helped me with is that, you know, we couldn't use drugs, but with that being said, had I not been prohibited, who knows, who knows? Mm. Because, you know, I grew up seeing my, my, my father use drugs, my mother used drugs, you know, and they tried to hide it, bro. You know, we'd be at like, um, because they would bring us to like get togethers, you know, with, with other family and then everybody's drinking. Obviously we're just a bunch of kids around. And then, you know, that jaw starts moving, you know, when that jaw starts moving, I used to know like, all right, some funny shit going on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and that progressed, you know, I, I, there was a time where them, you know, being, it was okay to drink and I guess do cocaine around us. But when the drugs are advanced, my dad didn't want to be around us. And so my dad would go on like three day benders. You know, I seen these, I seen this kind of growing up, you know, as far as like drinking and then, and then, and then pills, you know, I, you know, the pill era, people think the pill era started now. That shit started in the nineties, man. You know, that shit, that shit's old. You know, I knew about pills when I was growing up, man. And and um, anybody that knows the South Side, <laughs> there was a dude named Old Man Ron, right? And and uh, Old Man Ron was like a notorious. You know, I can talk about it now because he passed away. You know, rest in peace, Ron. But um, <laughs> you know, but he was a vicious. He always had pills, right? But the one thing that unique unique about this dude, I'm gonna tell you a quick side story. <laughs> this dude, man, I bullshit you not. He probably had like. 200 cats in his house bro like it was oh my god bro it was disgusting his house was so bad that he started off living in in the polish flat 
of of this house, right? So it's like a three story. It's like an attic. That's that's kind of a house, and then the middle house, and then the bottom, which is the Polish flat area. And he started off, and it was so bad, like the cats pushed him all the way up to the attic and just took over the rest <laughs> of the house. And it was just disgusting, bro. Like if you went into the house, you know, and you walked out two minutes later, you smell like cat piss. Like it was bad, bro. It was bad. Everybody oh. knew old man Ron. They knew it, right? And uh, he was funny though, man. Like his funny ass old man. I didn't mind. I didn't mind when he came around because he's always like, you know, he he was real cool. My dad, he gave me and Tim a dollar all the time, you know. So like we we didn't care. But um, the funny story about him, right? is all these cats, you know, they be in his house and these cats are like inbreeding, bro. You know, because they don't know no better. So these cats will be coming out with like like seven claws and shit and then he would be he would be he would be like lying, bro. He would be like selling these cats like these are exotic cats, they're coming from China, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> and be charging a crazy amount of money. People will be buying them like, "Oh shit." You know, not realizing like this is just, you know, he just you know, he came from two cousins and that's why he looks like that. You know what I'm saying? And so that was old man Ron, though. That shit was funny. But, but yeah, so, so I, I had my fair exposure to drugs, bro. You know, I seen it growing up, man. And, and, um, you know, it's unfortunate, bro. Like, you, you know, you lose a lot of things because of that, you know, like families lose a lot of things because of that, you know, whether it be parents cracking out or whatever and selling your shit or, you know, whatever it is, losing your parent to jail because of drugs or whatever that shit is. You know, I, I was fortunate enough. I never really, I never lost my, my, any of my uh, mom or my dad to, to jail, but, um, but definitely I, I lost parts of them, you know, in my mind through, through drug usage, man, like you, you know, and I, obviously I blame them for that, but as an adult now, you know, you see so much of it it's not that you understand it. It's just, you realize it's a part of life. Right. And, and yeah, like, you know, people, they go through shit and they find outs and, you know, they find ways to ease and cope with pain. And, and it's not always the best way, bro. And, and like I said, man, my dad dealt with his own demons. You know, my dad ran away when he was 12 years old or some shit like that. You know, he was in a real bad situation, you know, where he was abused as a kid and, 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 and I'm talking about like really, really abused, you know, the shit that I went through as far as like personal abuse, you know, I was the baby. So I didn't get a lot of personal abuse, not to say it wasn't there, but it wasn't as much as my older brothers, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, my father dealt with like, you know, some shit that could have put somebody in jail, like that kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. And, and so I can imagine him growing up, you know, my dad also did time, you know, my dad did six years in prison. And so all those things, you know, from 15 to 21, like all those things, I can't, I, you know, I can't imagine um, how he processed his own, his own demons. Um, but, you know, obviously his upbringing had something to do with how he turned out, you know, and, and it's unfortunate. I never really got to have those like deep in-depth conversations. You know, I lost my dad when I was 17, you know, by the time I realized how short life was and it was really important to, to love your, you know, your parents and your family, you know, he was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, even, even as a teenager, I was locked up. So I, I never really had that opportunity to, you know, to kind of talk that out and, and ask them, you know, I, you know, there was a lot of times where we, you know, cause like I said, I got to a point where I was drinking with my dad and, and, you know, we'd have some conversations, but it was like, it was like pain, you know, he was kind of hurt that, that he had hurt us, you know, and, and then I say us, I mean like my, me and my brothers and my mom and, you know, and, and, um, you know, reflection, you know, he, he would, he would always just say like, I'm sorry and shit like that. And obviously <clears throat> for me, I don't know, it's crazy to say now, but I don't, I don't, I never held a grudge against my dad for what he did. And it, it you know, don't get me wrong. Like I was hurt, you know, as far as like seeing my mom being hurt and shit like that in my life. But I don't know how that, that, uh, that love overpowered it. And and it's not that I don't love my mom because it was the worst thing to see, you know, but I wonder if that holds true for a lot of, a lot of families, bro. Cause I know, you know, there's obviously there's a situation where dads are just absent in the home, but I'm talking about like, I wonder how, how unique my situation is where the dad is there, but you know, obviously you go through some, some, some violence in the home, 
but a lot of people, I feel like they, they end up resenting their father or, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I feel like they, they hold that against them. So I wonder how really how unique my situation is because I got a couple friends, bro, that, you know, their dad was, was abusive and, and they hate him, you know, like they don't, they can't stand him. And um, I would almost want wonder if the, is that just something with you that you're, you're able to forgive where there is just right. some, simply some people that will go through something and they will never forgive the other person for, you know, putting them through that situation, you know, right. and a lot of it could have to do with your experiences because, you know, you've wronged people and yeah. you, you're, you hope that they will forgive you for the bad things you've done. So you're obviously more apt to forgive somebody else for doing something bad to you. And I, you know. and I've been through it, bro. Like I've been through, um, and just, you know, just sort of the listeners know, man, like there's, there's obviously a lot of, a lot of, um, intricacies in, in the stories that I could talk about, but, you know, with respect to my family and, and you know, obviously my father's is passed away. I, I don't want to be, you know, too hard on, on anybody or, or really tell somebody else's story even though it's my family. And so I, I'm trying to tread lightly. I want to, I want to be able to give people an insight. Um, but, but it's, it's hard too, you know, because, you know, m these family members I'm talking about, they got their own story. And, uh, I don't know if it's fair for me to share that. Um, but, but from my perspective, listen, bro, like I said, I went through a lot of shit, man. I, I was in a, I remember one time I was in like a, a shelter, right? So this was like an infamous night in my head. And, and, um, I remember when I was in the county jail, right? I started to write a book. And this was the book, this was the story that started my book. Now, it was just a preface to my book because the book was actually about my life as a Latin king, but the preface was based on my childhood and and maybe a little bit of kind of like a a foreshadowing of maybe why it turned out that way. And, and you know, I look back now, it was it was it was well thought of, but I, I don't know if I really thought it that out thought out, thought it out that well when I did it. But anyways, the story was a story of, you know, like a warm summer night, bro. I'll never forget it. And, uh, like it was me my brother and my mom. And then my aunt was there and my dad was at the bar. And, and I remember my mom telling me that, you know, my dad was coming home. He was pissed and, and we had to go. Right. And so there was them times, there was them times where, you know, my mom would stick it out and, and then there was times where, you know, we, we avoided it. Mm -hmm. And so this night we didn't avoid it, bro. You know, obviously my dad came home and, and things didn't go well in the household. And so this, I remember this was one of the nights where the cops came and, uh, we lived on, we lived on, in this, we lived on, uh, in the second story of the duplex on like 20th and Grant. And I remember they came up there, man. And they came up there gang busting, bro, because they heard that. I don't know what, whoever called the cops. I don't know who it was probably one of the neighbors, basically like it was yelling and all this stuff. So they came up there ready and not guns drawn or nothing, but they came up there ready. And, and, and my dad was ready to go too. Like he wasn't scared. Like, you know, usually people, when they see cops, like they settle down and my dad was like a Tasmanian devil up there. And so <laughs> they, they try to like grab them and they're like, they're like scuffling with them. And the way the house was set up, like you would have to, you would have to, in order to get upstairs, you would have to you know, go through the side of the house and, and our entrance was like towards the back of the house and you would have to go up the back steps. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, you know, and right off the, right off the kitchen is where the doorway was at, but there's like a little hallway right there. And so they're wrestling my dad, they get him out to the hallway and there's like three cops right there, right, right at the top of the steps, you know, and they got my dad kind of like almost pinned up against the side of the railing. And he just grabs them, bro. He grabs all three of them and just rolls down the step. Like, I mean, there's two wow. flights. I mean, not two flights, but it's from the second story, right? Right. And my dad's wasted. You know, he's, I mean, he's wasted. He split his head open and all types of shit. You know, they're macing him and he ends up going to jail. And so you can imagine, okay, if he was pissed when he came home, he's probably gonna be pissed when he gets out from this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, uh. I remember we were like, you know what, like, it's probably best. Let's get out of here and shit. And so my mom, I, you know, there was times in, 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 um, in my childhood where my mom would be like, all right, that's enough. Let's start over, you know, and, and kind of be without my dad. And I remember this time we went to like this, this battered woman shelter or some shit on the North side. Listen, like this is, this is, this is just 
this is just for context, right? This is, it's not like I'm making this point for any reason, but it's, it seems kind of weird, right? So we go into this, this, this battered woman shelter on the North side and it's all black people, like mm-hmm. all black people, you know? And not that that matters, but it makes us stick out like a sore thumb, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, everybody's looking at us like, what the hell are you guys doing here? You know what I'm saying? It's like me, my brother and my mom. And so we pull up, we're up in there and, and they give us a little, a uh, little room to stay in. And I remember me and Tim were like miserable, man. Like we hated it. We wanted to leave. <laughs> my mom ended up getting like, you know, she ended up having like a friend, like a lady that was a friend. And, and you know, one thing we hated as kids is like random people trying to tell us what to do. Like if you weren't our parents, you know, like don't tell us what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she, this lady was like one of those and shit. She was like one of those where, you know, she would try to tell us what to do. And like, we didn't even, you know, we, we would like, we never listened to her. But, um, I remember her one time she was like yelling at me and my brother and, and, uh, my mom's like not even saying nothing and the shit kind of pissed me off. And so like, we snuck, we snuck out the room. We we're supposed to be sleeping. So we snuck out the room and like her and my mom are like hanging out in like one of these little common areas. And we're like, I forgot we were throwing, but we're like throwing something at her. We're like throwing like, I, I was like, it was like, uh, not, not nothing crazy, but I want to say it was like, um, some, probably some parts of a toy, maybe like Legos or some shit. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know, we're in like a crack of a door and she sees us <laughs> and she, she turns around. She can't see who it is, but she sees us and she turns around, she runs the door. And so me and Tim, we take off to the room, you know, and then, and we jump in the bed. She runs in there and we act like we're sleeping. You know, because we do shit like that, man. And we ended up leaving there, I think like a two days later. And, you know, once you know it, like my mom and dad got back together, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, that's that, but that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what the, uh, the traditional household, you know, in, in these, in this dysfunctional homes on the South side was like, man, like, um, it sounds crazy to say, and it's probably a world you you can't even imagine, but I mean, listen, bro, nine out of 10 of the friends that I had there was some form of violence or dysfunction in her house. And, and some of it was worse than mine. You know, if I'm being honest, like, you know, some of these people, they come from sexual abuse and, and, um, you know, all these other things that are a lot more damaging than me seeing some violence, you know? And so, I mean, the moral getting to the moral of it. Yeah, bro. You know, growing up in these kind of, you know, these environments and these households, they mold you, bro. And they, and they shape you. And, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, you become what, you know, kind of what you see, bro, you know? Um, totally. And, and everything you just talked, you've talked about, one of the things that really sticks out to me is, is the fact that you said, like, you never had really a good example of somebody just living a normal life. You know, your parents were never really working on a consistent day-to-day basis. So you never saw that. And that almost makes sense that because in a way, it sounds like your parents were more or less just surviving, just like exactly what you did when you became a king. You you turned to this and thought, this is a way I can survive. And it just kind of plays in perfectly to that, you know, like by everything you had seen, you had, you, you've always seen dysfunction. So how do you not know what's normal, I guess? Yeah. And, and listen, bro. And, um, obviously as an adult, you know, I can tell you that, you know, hundred percent, like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't practice none of these things that I've seen, um, growing up, you know, but if I'm being fair and I'm calling a spade a spade, man, I always point the finger at myself when I was in the street and a teenager, bro, you know, all those elements of violence that I was already a part of, it didn't put it like this. It didn't matter who the violence was against, whether it be man, uh, uh, child, women, you know, whatever, whoever it was, because it was all encompassed in that world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, like I, like we talked about before, like, obviously I never condone that. Right. But, but when I was, when I was around it, and a part of it, it just seemed like it was normal. You know, I was mm-hmm. desensitized. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think like, you know, I could walk past, I could walk past somebody getting a shit beat out of them on a corner, you and know, just without even, anything. yeah, without, exactly, without bad and eye, like, damn, dude must owe him some money or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, you know, that, and that's, and I think a lot of people are like that, 
you know, yeah. um, you know, all the way up to like the families, bro. Like that's what it really used to be. Like when people seen shit happening in the street, they would close their door, close and lock their door, close the shade. You know, um, nowadays everybody pulls out their phone. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, man. It's it was a it was a whole different ball game. Everybody just kind of there's a lot of secrets behind those doors and those 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 uh you know those yeah. curtains being drawn. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of family secrets, you know, I'm sure amongst everybody, bro. And people rarely, rarely are ever going to, you know, expose that or talk about that. But I, I, and I don't blame nobody, bro. Like I said, it's hard for me to really, to be like completely forthright, you know, you know, Mm. with this information, because it's like, you know, I love my family, bro. I don't, I don't want to come on here and and try to you make it seem like I I can't stand my family for what I went through and I turned out because I turned out the way I did because of them and no I'm not that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um do I want to understand it? Yeah, I want to understand it. I want to understand why you know why I became the way I did at some point in my life and and um so I look at these things and I try to analyze them and I try to put it together. I can say this too, bro. Aside from my father and 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 my mother you know, I did look at my older brothers, you know, obviously I was the youngest of five. And so, you know, Tim being the one I looked up to the most because he was my, you know, he was my rock. He was there all the time. You know what I'm saying? Me and Tim every day, you know, um, together, you know, Joe was another one. Ronnie was gone early on. Um, but look, he, he committed a murder when I was nine years old, you know? And then it's like, um, at first it's like, damn man, like, you know, um, seems scary but then it's almost like a badge of honor you know as a mm. kid you're like yeah my brother's got a murder you know like you're 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 in school and you're like yeah yeah my oldest brother's in prison for a murder you know and and yeah like you 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 start to embrace that you know and almost and you propagate it and and so um and would you say I, by being able to say that when you were a kid did you kind of feel like in a way people would give you respect because of that, because it's just one of those things that people are like, Whoa, you know, like this dude's for real or something like that. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I think I got a lot more probably um, not respect for me personally, but I'm saying people were probably a little more worried when he was right. actually out, you know, when yeah. he was actually out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess when he was fair. gone, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> like, Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a murder, but he's, he's gone. He can't help you now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, yeah, but that definitely goes along, bro, because, um, <clears throat> like, one of my friends, let me just give you an example, like, one of my friends, my best friend, Epi, um, his older sister uh, knew my brother. You know, they, they had, like, their own little friend group. I think they went to high school together, maybe South Division or some shit. And so they had their own little friend group, and, like, I'd be around by Epi, and then her friends would still be over there after my brother was gone and they'd be like, Oh, that's, that's Ronnie's little brother. You know what I'm saying? And so it was like, kind of like, Oh, you know, tell your brother, I said, what's up. And it was like a, almost like a respect for him kind of thing, you know? And the opposite obviously being true for my cousin Alex, right? Like at first it was a respect thing. You know, my cousin Alex was this, this deviant, you know, he was, he was somebody who was not to be fucked with on the South side. And then obviously once he cooperated, it was like, you know, that stigma was with him more so than the fact that he had killed four people, you know? And, um, forget hating, hating them for killing four people. We hate you because you cooperated, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, that, that I dealt with that too, you know, um, as far as like, it was this big secret in my, in my family, um, about my cousin's situation, you know? So I really didn't really understand it, understand it until I literally was like in the game almost like already borderline Latin King. I didn't really understand it because it was such a, you know, hush, hush secret. Mm-hmm. And, um, I definitely think that played a role though, bro, because you, I don't want to say you want to live up to it, um, but you you definitely, you don't want to shy away from it, bro, because I, I had, I had a family that was known for not being scared of, of, of what happens in the street, put it like mm-hmm. that, you know? And, and so I'm talking about from my cousins to my brothers, you know, everybody was willing to, to put themselves on the line without a gang. You know, my, my cousin, who I look up to, right? Even, you know, to this day, man, he's, he's you know, um, he's like a brother to me. He's my older cousin. But he was, he, he, we used to call him the Milwaukee Mauler. And uh, and that was because this dude's been fighting since he was, uh, you know, you know, young, 
12, 13. And I'm not talking about just fighting. I'm talking about like mauling dudes. That's why we called them the mauling, <laughs> you know, and he was never affiliated, but, uh, and so you want to live up to that, you know, like you want to, you want to be, you want to be tough in that sense, you know? And so I got into fights in school to try to, to try to prove that, you know, and, you know, it just carry, it carries, it carries on. You think about those things and, and, you know, like I, I'm sure for you, have you, okay, this is, I don't want to sound shitty, right? But have you been in a fight in your life? Uh, not what, probably not what you would define as a fight. So, okay. No. Okay. I, I won't delve deep on that. I, I won't delve deep on that. Um, but, you know, let's just, so let me just, it's going to be hard for me to, to relate this, but let's just say, if you were to get into a bunch of fights in your life, right, as a kid, um, you know, there's usually a reason, right? It's provoked. There's usually right. some type of provocation, right? You, you usually um, you argue with this guy or he says something about your mama or whatever, whatever it is, right? And you fight. When you fight so much, you don't look for a reason to fight anymore. You just fight. Like there's, there's no reason yeah. to fight, you know, well, but, but yeah, you just because fight. It just becomes a thing you do. And I, I yeah. think, I think when you look at it, like a lot of things in life are, are like that, you know, you just start doing something. And then after a while you just do it because that's what you always do. And right. it, it's reasonable to seem if fighting is a regular thing in your life, that it's going to be like anything else. It's just going to, it's going to, because you're not going to be the first time you probably get in a fight, kind of nervous about the prospect of getting into a fight. But once you've been in a couple fights, it's just not a big deal anymore. And it just becomes yeah. second well, nature well, to do it. I think once you get hit, right? Once you get hit, because there's people that fight, but once you really get hit, right? And you withstand like a good punch or you got a black eye or a shiner or fat lip, you're like, I can take that. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I can do that and you can inflict pain, right? My dad used to always teach me when I was a young kid, he used to always say, listen, because my dad was five foot nothing. You know, my dad was like five, five, he's a little guy, but he was, he was a powerhouse. You know what I mean? And he used to fight all the time. Rarely see my dad lose a bar fight. You know what I mean? And, um, but he used to always tell me, take, uh, uh, uh take one to give two. So he used to tell me, so you take one punch or, or take two to give one. I'm sorry. Take two to give one. You take two punches to give one good one, you know? So if you can withstand two punches to, lay, to give your punch, that's, you got to have confidence in how you hit, you know what I'm saying? But so that was kind of like a, a, now don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to walk around and get punched twice before I hit somebody, <laughs> but I just remember that was like something that my dad always taught me. And, and that's how it was. And, you know, even when we talked about with Paulino, remember we told you we had the fight club in elementary school. Like that was a yeah. real thing, bro. We would just walk into a bathroom. I don't got no problem with this dude. All right, put your hands up and square up. And then, and then we'd try this out. Yeah. You know, or yeah, we'd be walking on a playground. I'm like, watch, I'm gonna go fight this dude real quick. Right. And we'll walk up and I'm like, what's up? And then we'll just start fighting. You know, it happened like that. My first, my, my fight with Rick, right. With boxer Rick, he didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing to me that, that, uh, that provoked me to want to fight him. He was just a new kid at our school, you know, and he was playing football with us. And I felt like this was my version of the playground or whatever it was. I don't even remember. And uh, even Paulino told Rick, yo, you're going to have to fight him because he, you know, he fights out here all the time. And so me and Rick fought, but it just goes to show like, and then we became friend, good friends in mm -hmm. detention, yeah. you know, but that just goes to show, bro, you normalize that shit. You normalize it. You normalize it. And, um, and I think a lot of it, you know, maybe it had to do with me seeing, you know, seeing shit and want to live up to something and, and, and wanted to be, you know, you, you want to be recognized for something, even when you don't know it, you know, and, and maybe that's what it was. And that's probably, probably plays into all the things we talk about, bro. Uh, it'd be nice if I like knew some psychologist, right. That can come on and be like, yeah, I mean, this is why you're fucked up because you've seen all this shit when you're growing up. Right. Um, well, and, and, I got no psychologist friends. Uh, I think a lot of it, man, is, is that it's exactly what you think it is. It all plays together, you know? Right. And, and I think it's really, really healthy that you don't blame anybody for, for these, the, for anything that has happened to you, because when you really look at it, you could be like, well, my older brother was a king, so that's why I became a king. And certainly that did play a role in it, but your older brother was a king, probably a king because of something that happened in his childhood that you might not even know about or not fully understand what happened. And that led to that. And then maybe, maybe that thing was caused by your parents, but your parents then 
also have all these scars in the background that are, that made them right. do the things they did. So whose fault is it really? It's nobody's right. fault. It's all situational and it's all, it's all just by what you experienced in your life. Right. You no, know, hundred percent, hundred percent situational and environmental, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, for sure. bro. Um, because I'm sure like, like you said, I've never, I, I mean, me and my friends would get mad at each other and sometimes we would get into little scuffles that really never led to anything. But, but had I been going to a school, I, 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 I'm making this assumption, but I'm assuming that when you were going to school, a fight breaking out at school was like a daily occurrence or oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of a real serious fight that ever fought that ever broke out in, in school when I was in school. So I was never exposed to any of that. So never? Wow, that's crazy. I don't think so. I can't, I mean, I'm sure there were fights, but, but like nothing that sticks out in my head as being, so they probably weren't very significant if anything at all. There was you no know? blood drawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely no not like a situation where an ambulance shows up or something like that. So, yeah. and, and just put, put yourself like, take me and put me in your situation and I'm a dramatically different person and vice yeah. versa. If you're in my situation, you're a dramatically different person because of right. it. And it's all because did, of the situation. Did you, did you grow up in a two parent household? I did. I did. Okay. So I know so, the statistics on that are like really, really good, you know, for people that grow up in a two, two parent household, you know, they, they have a better quote unquote chance at life, you know? Yeah. Which, but to be fair, I didn't grow up in a good two parent household because I grew up in okay. a family and my parents just fought nonstop. Okay. My okay. entire, like, like to me, a relationship growing up was, it was very normal to be screaming at each other on a regular basis. So, but not physical, never, nope, never physical. Not okay. that I, okay. not that I can ever remember it never got, um, physical whatsoever. So, so you probably scream at people a lot. <laughs> no, I don't, if, if, man. No, I'm I saying told if, I'm if, the if, most laid back person that anybody well, I'm saying knows. If, so. if, if the theory we're talking about holds true, <laughs> then, you know, I turn violent and you turn into a screamer. I don't know. I mean, not like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's ironic because I don't know how that happened because me and my wife don't ever fight. So it's just kind right. of a weird thing. But, but something, you Did know. Did she tell you to say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> just like no we we literally don't ever fight i think that's mostly because we're stoner so and that's great you're a stoner that's you don't fight <laughs> like that's why amazing. would you fight everything's, everything's all right great. yeah everything's great man so everything's all right yeah just relax just take it all in <laughs> so no 100 percent, man i i think um i think it's cool to be able to um to see the the I guess the parallels in our lives, as far as what we went through and how they affected us, you know, like seeing you, obviously you've, you've seen, um, you didn't grow up in a, you know, I guess a, a silver spoon situation or, you know, some type, some type of cookie cutter household, you know, you grew up, you still had adversity through your life, you know, and, and, um, even dealing with that, like it's it, obviously it's not probably as significant, um, no. Not, but, not at all, <laughs> but it's, but it's still something that, that, um, listen, I've seen, I've seen people in this generation complain about a lot less, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, to, I didn't think to overcome just, you know, any, any, any obstacles and adversities in life, um, they, they, they characterize who you are, bro. I think, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to. I guess, toot my own horn, but I think a testament to who I've become is not just from what I went through, but what I learned from what I went through. And so, you know, seeing those things and being exposed to those things, yeah, they suck, bro, but they teach you a lot. You know, you learn a lot of life lessons in all those kind of situations. And um, let's pray this never happens. But if we were in a situation in some kind of violent situation, I would know how to respond. You might not. Yeah, exactly. You know? I, 
would and, totally and, not uh, know how to respond. My response would be turn around and run the other way. Right. Right. And <laughs> which and maybe that might in, be, depending on the situation that, might saying, not be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. That might be the, that might be one of the responses. That might be my response to you. Like Eric, we got to run. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but I would know immediately, you know, I would be able to, yeah. I would be able to survey the situation and be like, all right, this doesn't look good. Eric hit that back door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So and you might just be there with your drink in your hand. Like what's going on? Like, no, it's, we got to go. I'll be honest with you. That probably would be me. <laughs> like I would be yeah. oblivious to everything going on. Right. So. That's what I'm saying. And so, so there's little things like that, bro, that kind of, I guess, you know, you, you learn from your situations and, and you adapt. Yeah. They shape you and they mold you, bro. And I don't know. I don't know how much I really got into my upbringing. I think I kind of brought some of it here and, um, I can always, I can always, uh, revisit. I can always stories. come back. Yeah. I can always come back and go back to, I got, I got a lot of stories. It's just the ones I got to be comfortable with sharing. And, and obviously the people involved, I want them to be comfortable with me sharing it too. Um, and so, but, uh, I have a lot of funny, uh, funny stories, poor stories. You know what I mean? I'm Eric, do you know what food stamps are? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had food stamps? No, I've never had food. So you don't know what they look like? Nope. Okay, so my, my I guarantee you there's a lot of people that listen to the show that know what food stamps look like, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember, all right? And I'm I'm not I'm not, you know, this is before the quest card. This is when they were like literally, you know, they were stamps, bro. You would get like a little booklet. I mean, we wouldn't, but like our parents, you know, they get like a yeah. little booklet. And then like the dollars, they were brown. I want to say the like the not the whole not the whole sheet, but like the little the little uh, emblem part was like brown, and those are the ones I remember the most because that's the only thing I ever really had access to was a dollar, you know. But but there was like five dollars. I think they were like purple, and then the the, the green ones were like ten dollars, and it was crazy, bro. Because if you I think if you if you use anything over ten dollars, you had to have the book with it because they had to be able to match the serial numbers. It was like some weird shit like that, you know what I'm saying? And I think I've told you the story before where like when my dad would be on his binges, you know, he would send me and Tim to the store with a dollar and tell us to buy like um, a quarter snack, you know? So I grew up on like star crunches and shit. So I used to always like go to the store and get a star crunch and bring back the 75 cents because you can't spend food stamps on everything, but change is change. You know what I'm saying? Like no matter where you go, change is change. So my dad would add up quarters and you know, mm -hmm. whatever he did with him, I don't know. But, you know, I just remember, I remember food stamps, bro. And that was, that was the way to where I'm sure a lot of people, they might get not good flashbacks from that, but we had food stamps, bro. We had like community centers that would give out like free lunches and we would go get like the free lunches um, from like Kosciuszko and shit like that. You know, see, so you don't know about shit like that, Eric. That was the real, that's the real, you know, Poe hitting, man. That's when you Poe hitting, you go to them community centers and it was always like the same shit, like a, a frozen orange juice and like a bologna sandwich and shit. It's crazy. I think about that, man. Like just, you know, government assistance was a real thing, bro. We were so, I'm, I'm like, we're going to end on this. Right. But I'm just thinking about this. We were so poor, right. That <laughs> when we used to like go to the swimming pool or something, say we were going to Kosciuszko, right. We would, we would walk barefoot in our trunks and shit. So we wouldn't have to pay for our locker. You know, locker was an extra quarter. You know what I'm saying? So we would just pull up and just have our, have our, already be ready just to hop in the pool, you know, with nothing. We would have nothing on us mm -hmm. and just hop in the pool. You know, that's, that's when you know you poor. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you do shit like that, that's when you know you poor, bro. You know what I mean? Or, 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 you know, this, this is a little bit more, I guess a little bit more, but when you wear cut off shorts, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You ain't supposed to wear no cutoff shorts, bro. You're supposed to wear swimming trunks. We would just cut jeans off. Jeans off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we ride in there with cut off jean shorts. We didn't play that shit with yeah, we that's that's poor. That's that's so uh some people might have worse poor stories, but those are you, mine. I got I got more too. <laughs> I, I, I got one more thing for you, and I just kinda curious have if you've ever thought of it this way. So you can kind of think of in your life. To get out of that that predicament you were in in the poverty and to kind of survive through that, you you chose the gang life. And probably very similar, it sounds like your father chose alcohol and drugs to to kind of deal with that lifestyle. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah. Um I think I think with my dad, bro, yeah, my dad used that shit as a coping mechanism. You know, yeah. um, you know, when you think about that, don't you think that kind of in a way 
you won on that end. Like, this is like probably the only instance where the where the gang thing might have been a better choice than the drug thing, because at least you made it through the gang thing and made it to the other side. It was terrible, and you probably never would never want to do it again. But it's a lot better because drugs, drugs and alcohol—that's one of those things that you just never really can kick. I mean, right? Well, yeah. It, when it gets you, struggle. when it gets you by the balls, yeah. When it yeah. gets you by the balls, man. Um, you know, my father, man, he passed away at forty-three, and I contribute a lot of that to to alcohol. You know, um, he died from heart failure, but. You know, but the it alcohol was, could it was, not have helped yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, and, and it was the lifestyle. You know, like my dad's arteries were clogged because he ate so bad because he would drink and, you know, everything was greasy. And, you know, my, my dad's just lifestyle was, was um, you know, it was it was around, it was based around alcohol almost. You know, mm-hmm. all the things that, that made him unhealthy, alcohol had something to do with it. You know, and they told him, listen, you got to stop drinking. Otherwise you're going to die. And my dad was just the kind of guy that just, nobody was going to tell him what to do, bro. You know, not even a damn doctor. <laughs> that's funny because that's the same, same exact story that happened with my father. They told him he was going to die and he was like, yeah, I'm good with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, then, and, and, you know, it's, it's sad. It's obviously sad for me. You know, mm-hmm. I lost my dad, but I don't know. I don't know if he, you know, I'm praying that he's, he's, he feels better now, you mm-hmm. know, like obviously like he was in a lot of pain. You know, my, my dad was, my dad was, man, he was beat up at 43, you know, young, that's still pretty young, man. And mm-hmm. he was just, his body gave up on him, you know, everything from his knees to his, you know, everything is hard is is all kinds of shit. And so, yeah, I'm a hundred percent, you know, alcohol and, and drugs to some extent, all that shit had an effect on him, man. And yeah. um, like you said, bro, you can't, you can't just wake up and kick that shit. No, you know, no. And, you know, like in a way, in a way, maybe being locked in prison for 15 years was might have been even better than just than having to. Well, it preserved me. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely preserved me. Um, I guess the only thing. Prison prison took my hair. That's some bullshit. (laughs) That was some bullshit. You know, I was stressed, though, bro. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I mean, you got to take the wins with the losses. Cause I came out in great <laughs> yeah. shape. Yeah, you know, so my, I came out in great guess, shape. Yeah, I think I think you might be. I, I think that hair might have been gone anyways, bro. Sorry. There's no telling. I mean, yeah, listen, I wore hats my whole life. I wore hat. I still wear a hat. You know what I mean? So. Like, yeah, I'm a hat. I've been wearing a hat since I was like 12 years old. But um, yeah. So is, I guess I I guess you're is right. Your mother was your mother's fa- father bald. I don't know. We're not going to go down this wormhole. I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to say that I was predestined for this. You know, I'm just blessed that, you know, God gave me a decent face so I can just, I can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can rock, I can rock this out, you know? And you just wear hats, man. And it, it's like nobody. Knows. Well, I ain't trying to trick nobody though. I wear my hat high though. I ain't trying to trick nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like it is what it is. I'll be out here. You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, y'all bullshit aside, man. Um, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. You know, it's probably some truth. I, 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 who knows? You know, who knows? Yeah. The, the, the gang shit it was a terrible way to go, and obviously, a lot of people got hurt behind it. You know, I guess in my part, in my own life, though, I can say, yeah, you're right, bro. I probably you who may knows, have dodged man. a bullet. Yeah. You know, you, you know, yeah. Honestly, I mean, you may have. So addiction in my family, bro, is really prevalent. I mean, talking about really yeah. prevalent, bro. Both sides. You know, I, I, it ain't like it's just one side. Now it's both sides. You know, so it, it, our odds were definitely stacked against me. And even to this day, bro, even now, you know, like, uh, I think I, I do have an addictive personality just based on the fact that it's in my blood, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't drink much, you know, I, I probably drink, you know, even if I drink, you know, twice a month, you know, something like that, that's not terrible, you know, maybe yeah. three times a month, um, smoking. I mean, it's none of your damn business how much I smoke, but I smoke, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh. And, and, and I'm okay with that, bro. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got for you, man. Kind of a little bit of a, a curveball for this episode, but hopefully people enjoy it and, and they, uh, and maybe even, maybe even, uh, email in with some of their own, uh, experience, experiences and, 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 um, 
I guess, likenesses to my lifestyle, right? Because I think a lot of people that listen, they probably live something similar, bro. Yeah, man. And if you lived my lifestyle, let us know that too. <laughs> well, listen, I think, I, I don't know if Gavin has been listening. He's probably the only one. <laughs> Quick question. Did Gavin ever get into a fight? Um, He's a big burly dude. I'd like to see him knock, knock yeah, his head off, man. You want to know, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a person. I, I guess if you can... If I'm going to equate Gavin to somebody in his childhood, Gavin was a scrawny Kramer from oh, Seinfeld okay. in his like, okay. Gavin's a big guy now, but he was, a t- he was always tall, but he was a stick when he was a kid. Was he? Okay. So, yeah. so, okay. so yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, he wasn't much of the fighting guy, but he was also, I mean, oh man, I won't even go into it, but we could get into it because Gavin's got a lot of stories of childhood. <laughs> So, okay. okay. Yeah, but I'm gonna have to get but, him on one time. Yeah, yeah. So he's got an mm. inter- interesting mm. things that happened to him as a child. So, mm. but yeah. So, but I don't Alrighty, think he had ever a fight. So, but yeah. All right. With that, we you know can what? wrap. Oh, did you have something else? No, I was gonna say you know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, with that, we'll wrap this episode up. As always, we have a Patreon. Check that out at patreon.com/slash normalized crime. And we will be back next week with a Patreon episode and in two weeks with a regular episode. We'll see y'all then. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.